Again, I, I don't, you know, before I even pray, I, just like last week, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough seeing her sitting there being all cute. She is in that prime, sits there, doesn't go anywhere, but just this cute stage. So I'll try and reel in my focus. Uh, Lord, again, thank you for this time to, to be together as a church. And, um, the, you know, we gather, I, I, I feel, Lord, I pray this every week, but we gather to hear from you, to hear your voice speak to us. Um, and again, whether that happens through teaching or, or music or, or the Eucharist, fellowship, um, if that happens just by looking at the face of a child, a baby, and seeing the, the miracle and the gift that's inherent in that, um, we want to hear your voice, um, your voice of love, encouragement, um, admonishment, um, whatever that might be, Lord, that we need to hear from you this morning. I want, I want you to speak, Holy Spirit this morning to my brothers and sisters. Thank you. Thank you for this morning to be together. We're looking forward to the baptism that's going to happen this afternoon. Um, this is a moment, um, kind of one of those moments that, that really define us as human beings, as our lives, and not just in this life, but eternally. This kind of moment of saying, I identify with Christ in death and in resurrection. So thank you. Uh, blessings over the Grimens, blessings over the Danleys this morning. May they feel the power of the resurrected Christ move through them uh, in, all, in, in this moment of baptism. Thank you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, the big review. And, and again, I'm going to try and keep this a little shorter, but we've been doing this series on, on what we teach, and, and we've been looking at these themes and these ideas about kind of what, what we... Um, find important to us as a church. And when I was thinking about how to tie this up, one of the initial thoughts that I had about this was kind of that of blueprints, right? And so as we think about these, these statements of what we teach, some churches have what we believe. Um, it's almost like the blueprint that, that we're attempting to build this, this house. It's like the foundation that we're kind of attempting to build this on. Um, but I remember this, this uh, different metaphor that I heard used years ago, and they used a metaphor of a trampoline, and I really like this metaphor of a trampoline, and just because we're talking about trampoline, how can you just not show a kid just having, <laughs> and it just keeps going. So the, the image, the metaphor of the trampoline, let me know if this gets distracting, because it can be very, the image, or the metaphor, the way this person described the metaphor of a trampoline, is he said that you know, the, the theologies, the doctrines, the, the, all the things, the vision, like kind of all that stuff ends up being, so to speak, the springs on the outside of a trampoline, right? And all of these items and, and the kind of point of, of the trampoline is what? Jump. jump. And what does the jumping bring? What, let me, what emotion does it bring? Joy. Right. Well, and I, I have this disclaimer written in because probably if you're over 18, jumping on a trampoline no longer brings you joy or excitement or. Pe but for the most part, um, for the most part, you know, again, jumping on a trampoline, it's about joy, right? It's about happiness. It's about excitement. And again, you watch this girl, and there was a bunch of little ones that I was thinking about showing. But and maybe if this one doesn't bring you joy, maybe this one will bring you joy. Oh. I'll show it next week, don't worry. 
But again, the point is the point here is joy, right? And so as as, as this person was using this metaphor, and, and and they were saying that you know, look, think about all the different springs on a trampoline, and again, the whole point of the trampoline is joy. And so I think about these what we teach statements. I think about our vision. I think about all the things that we do as a church. In essence, they're kind of these springs on a trampoline. The point of all these springs, the point of the trampoline is joy. And here's why this is important. Because, um, because if, if Jesus' community, if church, right, if it doesn't bring you joy, then let's have a conversation about that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying you have to come to church and put on your smiling face and be happy 24-7. As a pastor, I'll be honest with you, that's not even me. Like, sometimes I come to church and I don't want to be here. Anybody ever been there? Can we just confess that, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? And there's mornings when you're like, ah, I'm just over it. And look, that happens to us. But the general disposition of gathering together with God's people, of being together in the family of God, should be one of joy. It should bring you, like our girl, like Homer Simpson, like our girl jumping on a trampoline, there should be a general disposition of joy in this gathering, right? One of the fruits of the Spirit Paul talks about is joy, right? Paul, or, or uh, John, or Jesus in the book of John says, Jesus says, I'm going to come to you now, but I say these things. He's, he's talking to his disciples while I'm still in the world so that you, my disciples, the ones sitting in this room, that you can have the full measure of Jesus's joy with you. Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? So hopefully, again, this gathering, this, this time together, all these things that we do as a church, again, if we think about them as springs on a trampoline, right? The idea here is that we are jumping, so to speak, together and it's bringing us joy. And it's important because think about it. If you don't enjoy this, if this is to you um, forced and irritable and you're dragging yourself and forcing yourself to church, do you think that when, when, the, when the body and the bride of Christ, Jesus says he's coming for his bride. What's his bride? The church, right? And he's gonna, we're going to have this wedding celebration. And I say that if you don't enjoy this, you're not going to enjoy that. You know what I'm saying? Like if this isn't, if you're coming together and seeing God's people and worshiping God and giving our hearts and our minds to God and being in that relationship with God, if we don't enjoy this, I can guarantee you, you won't enjoy that, right? So again, the, the point of all this stuff, the point of, of, of vision, of doctrine, of theology, of orthodoxy, the, the underneath it all is, is the joy that we will experience, that we should be experiencing a little bit of it in um, in this, in this gathering, and then we'll experience it together at the renewal of all things when Jesus comes back to be with us. And if it's only um, Reagan that is experiencing joy, and she really is experiencing joy right now, just chomping on that thing. So again, I, my hope is, as we've done this series, as we've talked through these things, springs on a trampoline, uh, and we engage these things, and we are brought joy um, to be gathered together. So the vision, and I always talk about our vision. These are just screenshots from, screenshots from our website. The vision um, is, again, think about a spring, right? This is a spring. Our church is a Christ-centered community in Eastgate neighborhood. 
And we're just doing our best to live out the great commandment of loving God and loving others. Right? We express our love to God through a lifestyle of worship, uh, a posture of prayer. We demonstrate our love for our neighborhood through intentional acts of service, which we are, where'd it go? Oh, Tony's got it. Hold that up, Tony. We are, have received our certificate of participation for our intentional acts of service, right? But that's important to us is that we serve our neighborhood and uh, for our church community through specific activities aimed at building the body of Christ. That's baptism today. That's one of the things we'll do with baptism that second Sunday. In doing so, we intend to carry out the great commission of discipleship, making all for the glory of Jesus, right? So that's our vision. Again, spring, 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 all these springs around the trampoline. It's simple. We want to preach from the word of God. I want to preach from the Bible. I want to talk about the the scriptures. I want to talk about the narrative of God. Uh, I want to make, uh, we want to love the people of our neighborhood like Christ loved us. That's what we talked about last week. Uh, We want to make disciples. Disciples the most important, one of the most important words in the New Testament. We talked about that. Uh, and doing these acts of love, we can rest assured that we are loving God by loving uh, people. So again, if you think about this stuff, and sometimes this stuff can kind of get a little uh, technical, a little kind of drudgery, but if you think about all these little things, we're, we're just adding springs to this trampoline. And again, the idea is to, to balance, to joy, to have fun, to engage, to say, God, this is a good thing to be together. It's like a child being on a trampoline saying, this is a good thing, or a cat being on a trampoline, not in that image. This is a good thing to be on a trampoline. Who, who are my families out there that had, tra- got, did, you guys, did you guys have one for the kids? We had one. You had or have? We had one until we got the two dogs, and they played on it, and, mm-hmm. they, and they ripped it. And they ripped it. Mm. One would go under, one would go up and jump, and they'd bite, and they'd bite at it. <laughs> Anyone else trampoline folks out there? You guys had one? Well, you guys have one now for a- for Emerson. We're thinking about it at one point for our girls, but we understand there's inherent risk involved in trampoline ownership. So, huh? Um. So there's our vision, and then let me just kind of recap again. All I wanted to do is one of the things we always do at the end of a series, at the end of a teaching series, is we just rethink through that series. We recap it. We reflect on it. We're going to have a test next week, so just please make sure you bring a number two pencil and a Scantron. Um, Your own Scantron, Scantron, yes. You need to bring your own Scantron. The church church will not provide the Scantron for you. Uh, But we recap, and then we just kind of look at ourselves and say, God, what have you been speaking to me over these last couple weeks? You guys are lost in Scantron land over here. What's going on? Remembering the injustice of like paying. Yeah, you had to go to the bookstore and buy a Scantron. Like you've paid for college. Sure, paid for college, taking the stupid test. Paid for the thing, and I'm going to take the test on. Ten cents. Ten cents. How much is a Scantron now these years? Do you know? I don't know. We give them out for free if students just ask us. Okay. man okay we took a little detour into scantron land let's get uh so so again we just want to we want to ask ourselves god what are you saying to me again this is the this is one of the big themes of the church god how are you speaking to me what have i learned over these past couple weeks how does that affect the way that i live how does that change the way 
it's one thing to have a lot of information. It's one thing to understand how a spring works. It's one thing to look at a spring, to know what metal the spring's made out of, to understand how a spring's connected to the trampoline. It's another thing to actually engage that spring on the trampoline, right? So we're not just looking at the spring saying, wow, that's a really nice spring. I learned a lot about that spring. We wanna, again, jump on the trampoline. We wanna engage this, this thing. So we talked about, and I think this might be a little bit out of order, but I just took them on the order of the website. <clears throat> we talked about this kind of aspect of kingdom. Um, and here's a statement, every thought, saying, action, a bit of energy, Jesus focused on teaching and demonstrating the availability of the kingdom of God to all. He proclaimed an abundant life found inside the rule and reign of his lordship over the entire cosmos. We believe and proclaim that reality, that life, true, good, and beautiful, is found inside the kingdom of God. We receive and discover his kingdom announcement in the Bible and regard it all as inspired, authoritative, perfect, and true. We talked about the kingdom, and, and I don't re. This was like, I think the first one we did, and I'm going to put up a little, I'm just going to draw all over this because I'm going to come back to this. But we did this, this thing. You guys remember that one? We talked about the power, the, the PWI index, right? The power, wealth, and influence. The power, wealth, and influence of the Jewish nation of the Israelites hit kind of somewhere up here with King David, King Solomon, right? And the Jews, the dominant question the Jews are asking is, how do we get back here? How do we get back on top? How do we make Israel great again? That was the dominant question they were asking. And so when Jesus comes along years and years later after the, the, the height of their influence and their power and their wealth, and when Jesus comes along and they're still asking, how do we get back? How do we get ourselves back on the top? And Jesus has a different kingdom agenda, right? He says, I, I want to I put us back on top, but the way to get on top is actually through service and sacrifice. So if you think that the way on top is by climbing the ladder, you're leaning your ladder against the wrong building, right? The way to get on top actually is to serve and to sacrifice and to give and through humility, right? And so Jesus teaches us in the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount um, what his kingdom really looks like. So... We then, I forgot to put up that other image of Jesus on, you remember that image of Jesus on the cross and he was just like ripping the cross apart and doing those kingdom reps. <clears throat> um, and so, but we, we use this in acronym and we talked about how do we then engage the kingdom? This is the big message of Jesus, right? And we talked about what are the kingdom relationships that you have? Um, we, I think we use the example of Paul, kind of Paul's life. Paul had a, a Timothy who he would mentor into. Um, Paul had a Silas who was kind of, that, that mutual relationship. And Paul also had people that were kind of pouring into him, that were mentoring him. Uh, who are those people? How do we identify those people in our lives, right? People who are pouring into us, who are inspiring us, who are kind of mentoring us. Who is that mutual encourager who, who does that? And then who are we mentoring into? What are a kingdom experience? Is, a, is it a mission trip, a day trip, um, a, a long-term mission trip? If you haven't done that, maybe that's something to think about. Uh, I've done the apprentice experience. I've done things like that, that, you know, again, you have these experiences, different intensity, different length uh, to really engage in the kingdom. Uh, when we serve, that's a kingdom experience, whether that's at Brookdale, whether that's at the Long Beach Rescue Mission, whether that's here in the neighborhood. Uh, we talk about kingdom practices. Brian, you want to talk about the Bells model? Do you remember it? Uh, that I just read in the book. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, who, who can I bless? Right? Um, who can I eat with, right? Who can I listen, or how am I listening to God? Uh, how am I learning about God? And then how am I 
Is the last one serving? Is that what it is? Um, and so we talked about kingdom practices. We talked about kingdom study. Again, are we just learning the way of Jesus, right? Is that, are we just learning kind of how to live like Jesus, right? Um, so we have to study that. Is that, is that a, I have this commentary, this wonderful commentary. I just, and this is a little bit of a nerdy thing. I just like to read it, right? And I like to see this guy's perspective kind of on the deeper end of what Jesus was talking about, what's going on in this time. So um, again, the kingdom, the kingdom of kingdom. You have to view Matthew, Mark, Luke again, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John through the kingdom lens. If you view Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John through the lens of um, God's going to make me really wealthy. God's just, Jesus is just here to forgive my sins. Jesus is just here so I can um, be a nice moral person. You miss the, the real agenda that Jesus was getting at which was his kingdom agenda, which was announcing the kingdom, the availability of the kingdom of God. Okay? So that's our kind of kingdom statement. Every thought, saying, um, every thought, saying, and action, bit of energy is Jesus. I'm focusing on teaching and demonstrating the availability of the kingdom of God to all. Number one. Number two. We talked about discipleship. Uh, in our church, it, Christian ends up being the outcome, not the identifier. Uh, it is the outcome of a life surrendered to Christ in daily discipleship. In the New Testament, disciples used over 250 times. Christian is used only three. We desire to primarily focus our energy on living as apprentices of Jesus. We're learning to live, speak, and orient our lives around following him. But we don't stop there. Our goal is to live out the great commission of making disciples as well as living as disciples. So discipleship ends up being the big theme. We talked about the, the, that kind of 269 to 3. I think that's the, the number that, that Dallas states is, is 269. Um, and then we talked about the process of discipleship. You start off, if you're a young Jewish child, um, at about age five, you would become, uh, you would go into Torah study. So you'd begin to study the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you'd study those first five books starting about the age of five. Um, if you were kind of good enough, if you were a sharp student, if you were really engaged in it, you might kind of move to that next phase of becoming a disciple. Uh, you'd ask a rabbi and say, hey, can I become your disciple? Can I become your, your learner? It wasn't just to learn what the rabbi knew. It was to actually be like the rabbi was. Um, and so you would learn. And so we understand Jesus as that rabbi, um, and that's us. Our primary position is like we're following Jesus around. Jesus, what are you saying? What are you teaching? How can I learn that? How can I engage that? Um, and so we're, we're doing that. The biggest enemy of discipleship, do you guys remember what that was? Very close. Consumerism. Yes, Ryan, you are so close. We talked about the biggest enemy, and this is kind of maybe in, in the in the contemporary context in our modern context, what we face in the West. Um, but we talked about the biggest enemy of discipleship at the moment, maybe being this kind of concept of consumerism, right? And the challenges that I gave to you that week were to unsubscribe from marketing emails, the 30-day challenge, and the gratitude list. Anybody do any of those or have any experience with any of those practices? Email? You did it? How are you feeling? I have a separate email account for that. So. Just, 
Yeah. But I just get a lot less. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else? I've given up shopping for Lent. You gave up shopping for Lent? Yeah. yeah. I have lucky mellow. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good. It was good during that season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amazon Prime. Yeah. 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 Consumerism. What is consu- What's the message of consumerism? More. More is better. Right. Um, huh. More is filling, right? Consumerism ends up kind of turning in on ourselves, right? I am what I buy, right? And we miss the identity that Christ says. That's not who you are, right? There's thousands, millions of brilliant minds out there just figuring out how to get you to buy more, to do more, to become more. All the messages of like, well, if you own this new truck, you would be the, the most manly man in the world and everybody would love you. And, we, ha- and the, we have all these subtle messages, and Jesus is, the church, we kind of want to say, no, 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 there's a better way to live than just filling your inbox with more Amazon stuff, right? Um, I, I participated, I tried doing that, that gratitude list. Remember I had the real estate notepad, and so I've kept that on my desk, and I've just tried to keep that, just keep writing things that I'm thankful for. And again, a lot of our possessions just say, I'm thankful for our car, I'm thankful for... Um, the computer that I have, it's six years old. I'm thankful for, you know, all these sorts of things. And um, just keeping that, that, that position, that disposition of gratitude. Um, and so we talked about that with discipleship. All right, keep moving. Let's see where we're going to go next. We're going to talk about the gospel. Um, the gospel, this announcement that Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not. The early disciples of Jesus took this phrase from the Romans, a popular political slogan, to declare Roman victory and subverted it for their own purposes. When one preaches the gospel, or making the bold and daring proposition that Jesus is Lord, he's the ruler, he has authority, he's in charge. And Caesar, and Caesar kind of becomes the placeholder here for the economy, death, political parties, Amazon, Google, uh, progress, um, you know, whatever, is not in charge anymore. Jesus' kingdom of generosity, goodness, truth, beauty, and love are actually running the universe, even though we might not always experience or observe it. We put our confidence in Jesus. We put our confidence and our trust in the name of Jesus. Um, The gospel, again, is that news. It's that announcement. It's that proclamation. We talked about the triple pattern of, of, of news There's the announcement, right? Jesus is Lord. And then you place that news in the larger context. We observed it in the Roman Empire. We observed it within the Jewish narrative. And then we talked about the altered future. And for us, the altered future, based on the announcement that Jesus is Lord, is, and this was our short list, is that there's a new united humanity, right? The Jews and Gentiles, the Gentiles were invited in there. Welcome to, to, the, to the, um, the celebration. They're welcome into the salvation of God. It's the end of the sacrificial system. Jesus becomes the one sacrifice for our sins. 
It's the new creation. Jesus' resurrection on the first day of the week in a garden has all this, um, kind of all this hearkening back into the, the original creation story. And Jesus is, is launching this new creation that, we're, that we participate in. There's this new covenant. Jesus says, I'm giving you a new covenant. We'll do that in a little bit. There's forgiveness in Christ. There's spirit empowerment. There's conviction, encouragement, boldness, miracles, love. There's resurrected bodies, not just souls escaping to heaven. There's the ultimate defeat of death, sin, and darkness. And so the gospel is this announcement. And out of this announcement that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is actually the one that's running things in the universe. Even though we don't always experience it, we trust that, right? Out of that announcement, we believe in all these in all of this altered future. Um, I think I might have done this a little out of order again, too, but one of the things we talked about, too, um, with the gospel, um, and then Cass, you did a sermon, but I think this, your sermon was more after the kingdom aspect. Um, but Cass did a sermon in here, too, on kind of trusting the scriptures, right? When we think about the scriptures and when we think about the gospel, the gospel often is is the word kind of that we think of the first four books of the Bible, uh, of, you know, the first four books of the New Testament. Um, how do we engage in trusting the scriptures? How do we know? Is that something to trust? Is it, is it just myths? Is it just fairy tales? Is it, you know, just people who wrote these stories down? But Cass, you talked about the way that we can trust the scriptures is through fulfilled prophecy. We see the prophecy of the Old Testament and we see how they um, are reconciled in the New Testament in the life of Jesus. We see the preponderance of archaeological evidence. We see the continuity of the Bible all throughout um, Old to New Testament over thousands of years. It's telling one story. Um, uh-oh. You're sitting there? Okay. <laughs> um, we see the declaration of facts before scientific discovery. So the Bible would often make uh, statements about one thing or another. Um, and then science kind of would say, oh, yeah, that's... That would, that would be true, too. And then we also observe the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Um, and I think, you know, Cassie, one of the things you did in that sermon is you really gave us a kind of a basis and a foundation to really say, hey, here's, here's why the Bible's reliable, right? It's a beautiful book. It's a good book. We love this book, and we study it. Um, and it's, it's, it's something that's trustworthy, right? Um, <clears throat> and then lastly, we talked about the kingdom or the death, the resurrection, the ascension, or not lastly, this was two weeks ago. We talked about the death, resurrection, the ascension of Jesus. The most important weekend in human history is a weekend where Jesus, was, where Jesus died and was resurrected. His death and resurrection accomplished forgiveness of sins, the triumph of God over death, and signals the ultimate defeat of Satan and the powers of evil. Again, though we have yet to experience that, Jesus' ascension signifies our waiting hope for the return of Christ, new Jerusalem, and the restoration of this world, this cosmos, our bodies, and the return of shalom to the universe. Resurrection morning, Easter morning, we had, um, and I didn't bring all the, the items, but we had this basket, and we talked about resurrection, we talked about the hope of Christ in, in kind of the terms of the way that children, Brody, did you get an Easter basket this year? You did? Did you get a good one? Really good? Did you give your mom and dad a hug for that? Okay. Wendy, telling the truth? All right. But Brody, when you woke up in the morning, did you have any doubt? Like, did you think like, oh man, 
I don't know if my mom and dad got me an Easter basket, or did you know there was an Easter basket waiting for you? You knew, right? And we talked about our resurrection hope in that terms, right? We, with resurrection, with, with the hope of Christ, it's not like, oh, I don't know if Jesus really did this, if he really accomplished this. Like, we know we have confidence in that he has resurrected, even though, again, this kind of phrase I've said a couple of times, we might not have experienced the entirety of the basket, but we know we're, we're hunting for it, we're, we're looking for it. And so we had some fun placing some things in our, our, well, this is just a basket that I stole from my wife. I don't even know what this, what to use it for. Whatever. Julia's baby, Julia's baby there you go. Um, but we had this and we put, uh, we talked about resurrected bodies. We, we had the paperback and the Kindle. We had the analogy of, when we think about our body, Paul used the analogy of seed to a tree. I said, if you were to throw a paperback, an old paperback into the garbage um, and went to a landfill and years later there was a Kindle or an iPad coming up, right, with all the same information, all the stuff. If you were to throw a, a busted up broom into the trash and years later a Dyson vacuum cleaner, that's the analogy, that's the metaphor that Paul uses here for our bodies are like brooms, paperbacks, um, seeds and they'll go into the ground but what's resurrected right is so beautiful it's so beyond what we can imagine um we talked about that we talked about the new heaven and the new earth um a a lot of times we, we get the idea that that god's just frustrated he's over this earth the earth is evil it's falling apart and you know somewhere in the middle of it there's dynamite and god's just going to blow the whole thing up and start over God created this world, this cosmos. It's his masterpiece. And he says, it's good, it's good, it's good. And yes, we've made a mess of it. But God intends to restore, them, restore it and bring it back to wholeness, to shalom. The kingdom, the bride, the kingdom is going to come. The, the new heaven and the new earth is going to come. The new Jerusalem will come to the city and restore and make this new. And so we had that confetti we had that party we had those party poppers it's kind of symbolic of again this celebration this party that will happen when this world is restored the the, um the parable of the lost son right the lost son comes home and you know the, the father says let's have a party and they kill the fattened calf and when you would kill a fattened calf, you don't put the rest of the meat in the freezer. You invite the entire village to celebrate because that's how much food is there. And it's the whole village comes to celebrate. We will celebrate the new heaven and the new earth. Uh, we talked about death and hell. Jesus holds the keys. Revelation talks about Jesus holds the keys. If you've lost somebody and we, um, Mark's in the uh, nursery. Mark has just you know, gone through the loss of his mom. I had just lost a close friend. Um, but we trust that Jesus holds the keys to death and to hell and that that will be ultimately sent away, will we'll be gone from death and hell and death and darkness and crying and tears and sickness. Jesus holds the keys to that. And then there's a new, we call it the third way forward. One of my favorite things about Jesus is he skips out from all that dualistic thinking that we get sucked into. Is the world getting better? Is the world getting worse? Is the elephant the right political party? Is the donkey the right political party? Is, um, and we get in sucked into all this dualistic, or, or is it us, is it them? We get in sucked into all this dualistic thinking. And Jesus always was so brilliant about providing 
and, and showing us this third way forward. So when we think about the world, when we engage the world, we don't have to engage with, well, hey, look, science, progress, technology, we're getting better. Hey, look, there's, the world is falling apart. It's going to hell in a handbasket. We don't have to sink to that dualistic thinking. We look at the world through the lens of resurrection. It's a third way to look at the world. Jesus puts the ball in our court. We had those tennis balls um, as a way to say, what do you want to trust in, right? What do you want to trust in the balls in your court with that? Man, I'm going. I got one more. You guys all right? Have I lost you? Last one, we talked about love. Our greatest goal and aim in life is to love like Jesus did. His capacity to love the marginalized, his enemies, those outside the Jewish circle was what drew people to him. We are still drawn by that love and live to model our lives in that love. We see all this love throughout the scriptures and founded in the Trinitarian relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at the center of all things on heaven and on earth. We then had this big brainstorm session, which I left up here. We talked about the marginalized. We talked about the enemies. We talked about the outsiders. Again, when you look at Jesus, what's so attractive about Jesus wasn't just that he loved the people that were like him, was that he specifically went outside of his circle to the marginalized, to his enemies, um, to, to the, again, those outside, and he loved them. It was so, it's so moving. It's so inspiring. It's one of the things I think that still makes Jesus 2,000 years later so fascinating and so relevant and so important was his capacity to love. And we talked about um, who that was in the, in the scriptures. We talked about who that was for us. Um, and then we had an action step. And I said, hey, look, it's one thing to put all these things up here. It's another thing to actually go do something about it, right? I know for me, that action step had revolves around a particular family member at the moment. And I, I still honestly, like I just haven't got to loving that particular family member yet, right? But it's it's... I think about this family member and I'm like, okay, Eric, you're going to stand up here and you're going to preach it and you're going to tell people to do this. Like, you better be willing to put your money where your mouth is, right? You better smoke what you sell, right? If you like that one better. But, but you know, again, that's the idea here is like, hey, we can talk about it, but are we going to really, are we going to really kind of put something to it? So I don't know for you if that has been an action step. I'd, I'd re-challenge you. I re-challenge myself to engage my, this particular family member and, and to think about some of these things. Um, but, um, yeah, we want to do that. Enemy, someone who you just don't love or who you just don't like at the moment, right? Who's that person who you just don't like at the moment? How do you love them? How do you make that tangible? Um, how do you make that into an action moment? Whew, I'm out of breath. Uh, we talked about the Trinity, this beautiful picture of the Trinity. Um, the Trinity is what we say is at the heart of it all. Um, the Father and the Son and the Spirit, this beautiful icon from the 14th century um, of the Father, Son, and the Spirit sitting at this table. Uh, and then again, this, this, is this the, an open spot? Was there a mirror placed right here? Uh, but we just observed and we said, when we think about God, the most important thing about us is what we think about God. And when we think about God, if we think about he's generally frustrated, he's angry, he's, he's you know, got a big white beard and he's got a scowl on his face and he's ready to, to beat us up this, the, the moment we make a mistake. 
if that's what you think about God, that's going to affect how you live, right? If you think about God, this is, when I close my eyes and I think about God, this is what I want to picture, is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are together. And they've left a seat open at the table because they want to have fellowship and they want to have communion and they want to have a meal with me. Yes, Eric. Yes, Brody, Rob, Kat, Devin. They are sitting there saying, come sit down with us and have a meal together. That's the image to me of God. This is the most important thing that we can think about is what we think about God. Um, I think that's all I got. That was a series. Not with me on that? We're going to move next week into the, into the, we're going to kind of do that half service, like I said, but we'll do a little bit. We're going to move into studying the book of Ruth, the book of Esther, have some lady power over the summer. Um, But again, I'll leave us here with this, and I'm just going to create a few minutes here of space. Um, How has God spoken to you over these past few teachings? It might even be something this morning. Um, God, what are you, what are you speaking to me? God, what's the next, what's the next, the next right thing you're asking me to do, right? God, where are you guiding me? Where are you shaping me? And then again, what is my response to his voice, right? God, where are you, how am I going to respond appropriately? Because it's one thing, if God speaks to you, it's one thing to say, oh, thanks for telling me that. But God, I want to respond to that. And again, you know, maybe for me, I'm thinking about that family member in that situation. And um, God, maybe that's, I really need to respond appropriately in, in that way. So why don't we do this? We'll, we'll close with, I don't know. I think, I think about, I think about five or so minutes of just kind of an opportunity to reflect on some of these teachings, some of these thoughts. Um, And then, if somebody would want to share something out of that, maybe something's kind of come to mind, we can have a moment for that. Um, and if not, we can, we can kind of come back to that a little bit later. So, does that sound good? Okay. And in the next five minutes, if you feel like you need to get up and think outside or, or think, think on your feet, feel free. We'll gather together again back here in about five minutes. So, Feel free to, to kind of get up and, and move around if that's helpful to you. I'll sit up here if, if you want to look p- back at a particular slide or if you want to uh, have any of those thoughts, I can throw that up for you as well too. So.